Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians and Philippians in chapter number 4. The book of Philippians in chapter number 4. We're now in our very last chapter of this book of Philippians and it has been a wonderful study. The book of joy. But the reason why it's the book of joy because it's a book about God. The more that we know God, the more that we will joy in Him, and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And with this, you could see those themes running all throughout the book of Philippians. The idea of rejoicing, but also understanding that the Lord strengthens us as we depend upon Him. And if we were to be honest, we need strength just to survive our world. And the more that we go, we realize that The mind of Christ is so important, but it's at the place where sometimes it's so foreign to us because we don't naturally think that way. And we have to develop the mind of Christ to think like him, to think differently. We know that the battleground is within the mind. And as we start the book of Philippians, we start off in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with a problem. But the Apostle Paul not only addresses the problem, but he quickly gives a solution to the problem. Notice with me in the book of Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4, notice with me in verse number 1. The book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown... So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eutychus and beseech Synthache that they should be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I would like you to mark two phrases, two separate phrases that we find in the book of Philippians, and I want you to tie them together. Notice if you don't mind the first phrase I want you to pay attention to in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7, notice this, the peace of God. The peace of God. Then I want you to notice the other phrase that we find in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9. Notice this, 
the God of peace. The God of peace. And I want you to link those things together. And I like to preach a message from first from the book of Philippians chapter number 4 verses 1 through 9. About the peace of God from the God of peace. The peace of God from the God of peace. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm asking that this message be an eternal message. A message that revolutionizes so many people's lives. Without a doubt, this one message is needed by so many believers. We understand that salvation is a message that unbelievers need. But for those believers who want to be pleasing to you, who want to get close to you, this is the message for them. Especially as we have a desire to move forward and to watch you work. We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to keep our eyes upon the Lord. I'm asking that you would give us understanding, holy unction from your word, that your Holy Spirit would do what I cannot do. And that is to bring your words, open them up in people's mind to, to let them see and let them apply it. And again, I recognize that I'm nothing. I have no ability of myself. So the best I know how, I surrender to you now and ask that you fill me with your precious spirit and get your work accomplished through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The peace of God from the God of peace. As a pastor, by default, we become observers of human behavior because we have to watch people and you have to see where people are at because we want to identify where they're at and help them take to the, nether, to the next level. And one of the things about watching modern Christianity, watching people who even come to this church, watching other people, is that sometimes you get to the place like, where is the peace that God offered where is this peace? Because we live in a world that seems like people are always in an emotional roller coaster. And they're always in an emotional turmoil. And they're always in a place where there's agonizing and their minds are all over. And they're, where is this peace that God promised them? We understand how important peace is. We understand that to have the mind of Christ is also to have this peace of God that passeth all understanding. To have the mind of Christ is to think like him. And we're developing the mind of Christ. The problem is, is that so often we go without the mind of Christ and we neglect the peace that God promised to all of his children. We don't have to be people of turmoil in spirit and mind. We don't have to be people that are agonizing. We can have a peace that passeth all understanding. This carries the idea that a peace that does not make sense. We understand that with a church that we want unity. And how do we get unity? When everybody's eyes are on the Lord. When does disunity come? When one person doesn't have their eyes upon the Lord. There starts to become a disunity. One person is enough to disrupt it. This is why this is so important. Because if we're going to have a unity, everybody's eyes have to be on the Lord. Everybody has to be looking at Him. Now, without a doubt, that is easy to say. The practicality is very, very hard. So how is it that we can keep our eyes on the Lord? How is it that we as born-again Christians living in this time can have this peace that God speaks about? 
The book of Philippians chapter 4 speaks about this. Now as we start off, we start off with an introduction. uh, Verse number 1. Therefore my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my crown and my joy, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now notice he's calling him dearly beloved. What he's doing is that when they say that you're fixing to rebuke someone or give them some bad news, you tell them good news, then you correct them and then you tell them good news again. Alright, so he's fixing his stress. He hasn't corrected this church at all on anything. But there's been some disruption that has come to him. So he's like, alright, dearly beloved. Alright, you're beloved. Uh, you got to stand fast. He says, I love you very much. But there's something I have to fix. Something that needs to be addressed. Number two, I beseech Eutychus. And I beseech Synthache that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now implied in that is that they are currently not in the same mind in the Lord. So what's happening is that there's conflict. There's some dissension. Their eyes aren't currently on the Lord. They're having a squabble between each other. By the way, that's called a normal Baptist church. You know, the one thing about pastoring people is you've got to pastor people. Ministry would be a lot easier if it wasn't for people. Without people, there's no ministry though. And so the the thing that needs to be done often is to remind people, look up, look up, look at him. And it's hard. Now we're going to get back to these girls in a second. But may I explain, maybe try to do an illustration that kind of explains why we have a hard time looking at the Lord. All right. So. Let's say, the, well, the Bible clearly says that only, only by pride cometh forth contention. Where does contention come from? Well, here's contention mentioned here. Where does contention come from? Pride. Pride. By the way, pride is having a false view of oneself. Often it's because you're looking at yourself. And the worst type of pride is when you think you're right. It's even worse when you know you're right. And there's something about pride is that when you think that you're right or you know that you're right, that pride makes you feel like you could override and do sin and get away with it because you're right. That's the awful thing about pride. So let's give an illustration. Let's kind of do this. The Bible, first of all, as we just said, only by pride cometh forth contention. So let's just say, let's take it away from those two girls and let's apply it to pastor. So someone thinks that pastor is doing something wrong. I know it's hard to imagine, but from time to time that happens. Probably more than I think. So somebody, pastor didn't do something right. He didn't shake my hand. He looked at me different. He uh, um, didn't teach right. He did this. He didn't hug his wife. You name it. I, I knew my home pastor, someone got mad at him because his wife chewed gum. It just gets to the place where they find something and uh, the pride gets up. And so I'm right. And because I'm right, pride gets in the way. And so I can override other sins. So because I'm right and pastor's wrong, I'm going to go talk to someone else. And I'm going to tell them that I'm right and pastor's wrong. And they enter into something else now called gossip. Gossip is the acceptable sin of the church, meaning it's the sin that everyone does and nobody corrects. 
What is gossip? Gossip is when you speak to someone else about another person that can do nothing about it. Can another church member necessarily do something about pastor? No. So why are they talking to them? Because I'm right. And because I'm right, I need to let other people know that I'm right. It's pride. And pride comes to the source of contention. And so, do you, can you believe that pastor did this? I know he's not right on this. So I'm letting you know that I'm right and he's wrong. And I just felt my, that you need it to know that pastor was wrong. Why do they need to know that? And what happens is that someone who will have a small problem with pastor finds another person that has a small problem with pastor. And because of pride comes contention and they find each other and they begin to talk. And now instead of having a small problem with pastor and a small problem with pastor, now it's combined together and they both have a big problem with pastor. That's because of pride. Now, by the way, speaking about that, the Bible says, dealing with the idea of pastors, that you are not supposed to receive rebuke unless you have two or three witnesses against a pastor. So they're already in pride. God resisted the proud. They've now gossiped. By the way, God hates gossip. In the book of Leviticus, God calls gossip murder. Gossip is equivalent to murder. That's pretty horrible. In the book of Proverbs, God says, Yea, there are six things that God hates. Yea, seven are abomination to him. And guess what one of those are? Tell bear. Gossip. Gossip. God hates gossip. It's an abomination to him. He calls it murder. Well, so pride has gotten the way. Now they've gotten to gossip. By the way, they think they're allowed to gossip. They don't even think that they're gossiping because I'm right. That's the awful thing about pride. And not only that, if you're talking against a pastor, now you violated the principle that you need two or three witnesses to make an accusation against a pastor. Anybody who's read through the life of Moses knows how dangerous of ground they are on. Very dangerous ground. But because of pride, pride is the source of, uh, only by pride cometh forth contention. I'm right. Pastor's wrong. Hey, you agree together? Let's agree together. And what happens is that they start getting more people to look at the pastor rather than the Lord. And now there's a disunity because their eyes are off the Lord. By the way, you don't have to look hard to find something wrong with pastor. And if you can't, let me tell you some other things that are wrong with pastor. I'm not perfect. And the requirement is not to be perfect. I am a failure just like you. And if you could be patient with me, I'll be patient with you. How about that? So the requirement's not there. But what happens is that pride gets involved. Now, I'm going to get to this again. I'm not, I'm not straying. I'm not preaching whatever I want. I'm getting back to this, but I'm illustrating this. So there's multiple sins going up. And now when they finally get to the place they want to correct pastor, they're not standing in a good position because they're in multiple sins now. And what happens is that because they get their eyes off the Lord and their eyes are off, I'm right, pastor's wrong, a disunity starts to hit and it creeps in. And it starts to affect the church. And it affects the unity. And now the pastor's spirit's being disrupted because someone else... And it collapses. This is Satan's tactic. The Bible says in the book of Philippians or book of Ephesians chapter 4 that we are to not give place to the devil. And in that passage it speaks about this. Now, as we go back to these two young ladies, Eutychus and Synthicus, they don't have the same mind. They're not looking at Christ.
And so Paul's addressing this because what is the only source of contention? Pride. Pride. And so they have a bit of pride. And because they're right and she's wrong, and because I'm right and she's wrong, that pride is getting involved. And it's keeping them from having unity. So instead of looking at them, they're looking at themselves. And that's the awful thing about pride is it makes me look at me. Or it makes me look at others and my eyes off the Lord. How do I know I have contention? When you feel like you have to justify yourself to someone. You have to explain your actions. If they tell you you're doing something wrong, you have to fix them and let them know you're right. You want them to know you're right. How do you know? Well, when you're getting ready to talk to someone and your mind's already playing a conversation of what you could say to convince them. Or when you're done talking with someone and you can't sleep at night because I should have said this and I should... That is all pride. Absolutely awful pride. And your eyes aren't off the Lord. You're in there. I understand I'm squishing people's toes now. But this is the context. Here are two young ladies who don't have the same mind because of pride. And there's contention. And I know it's hardly imaginable that two ladies would ever get in contention inside of a church for some silly reason. But here they are. And Paul says, I've heard about it. And I want, he's trying to say, I'm trying, I love you all. You are all wonderful. I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to have a bad reaction, but this has to be taken care of. And by the way, because I know it's not going to be taken care of just because I said so. Verse number three, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Now we believe he's speaking to you, Epaphroditus. Remember, Epaphroditus just got there. He says, Epaphroditus, you've been my help, my friend. Help these ladies out. Help them to keep their eyes on the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yuck fellow, to help those women which labored with me in the gospel. He says, I love them. They're not evil. They're not wicked. They're not wolves. They just have their eyes off the Lord. And we want them to look at their eyes. So I want, they, I know it's just not going to be taken care of just because I said so. You're going to work with them. And I want you to work with them to keep their eyes on the Lord. Keep looking at the Lord. Keep looking there. Ignore your pride. It doesn't matter. Who cares if people understand that you're right or not? That's pride. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other labors. Notice this, whose names are written in the book of life. Hey, these ladies are saved. Without a doubt, they love the Lord. They, they want to do what's right. They're not evil people. They don't hate the church. They just have their eyes off God, and it's causing some problems. I love them, and I want the best, so let's, keep, let's work. Everyone keep your eyes on the Lord. Everyone keep your eyes on the Lord. Everyone keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep looking at Him. Keep looking at Him. Keep looking at Him. Then what happens in the rest of this book, or the rest of this passage that we read, is he explains how do you keep your eyes on the Lord, which is practical. One of the things that we could say is keep your eyes on the Lord, and some people say, What does that mean? Well, let's explain what that means. How do you keep your eyes on the Lord? How is it that you can keep looking at him no matter what? Well, there are three things that are mentioned here. And I want to give them to you because I want to be a help. This is how we can have the the peace of God from the God of peace. This is how we can have unity in the church. This is how we keep looking at the Lord. What are the three things that are mentioned here to help these two ladies who are currently having contention together? How do we help them? What does it mean to keep their eyes on the Lord? Well, notice these three things. Very first, rejoice. 
Rejoice. Rejoice. Notice with me in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. We understand that rejoicing in the Lord is... We rejoice in God. Not the situation. We rejoice in God. We know the Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people. We're supposed to pray and rejoice. We're to rejoice in all things. God is always good and God is always right. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, you'll see this repeated over and over. David or some psalmist is having a bad day. There are times that David's look up, God, why have you forsaken me? And as he begins to talk with God and tell that God is good, God's right, the toner and the tenor of that psalm changes to the end. He said, God's so good, I don't even know why I was worried in the first place. There's something about rejoicing. Many of you who've been with me long enough and, and I work with you, one of the things I'll ask you, can you sing? What do you mean, can I sing? Can you sing? What am I talking about? Rejoice. Can you currently say that God is still good, God is right? It is hard to keep your eyes on the person that you're currently angry with if you're looking at him and talking about how good God is. That's the idea. To rejoice. Stop looking at the goofball who's driving you crazy. Look at God. Praise him. Worship him. Rejoice in him. God is still good and God is still right. Keep your eyes off. That's what we're talking about. To keep your eyes off of the situation. To keep your eyes off the person. Rejoice. It's whenever we stop singing, we get in trouble. And if you start singing and you start feeling better and then you look back at that person, sing again. Rejoice again. Keep your eyes on God just purposely. This is a decision that's made. It's not natural. It's everything but natural. Because you see that person that drives you nuts, it's very hard not to think about that person. Think about how much bedtime we have wasted because we keep thinking about a person that honestly doesn't care if we live or exist. Why do we have to prove to them that we're right? Why do we feel the need that we have to justify to some stranger, to some person? The idea of pride tells us that we have to convince everyone that we're right. That's pride. Who cares? But I'm right! So? That's our pride that says that we have to convince everyone that I'm right. And we lose so much sleep because some person somewhere who doesn't matter doesn't believe that you're right. By the way, I've lost that sleep too. I'm speaking from experience. And what do I have to do? In order to get some sleep, stop thinking about them. Look at the Lord. I'm trusting God. God, you're great. You're wonderful. And once you start singing, then you can go to bed. Oh, but as long as you keep thinking about that person, why don't they recognize how great I am? Why don't they recognize the truth? I know more than them. It's pride. You may not use those exact words, but it gets pretty close. It's pride. How do I keep my eyes off this contention? Looking at God. Rejoice. In fact, notice with me in verse 5. You thought that was rough. Here we go. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Notice that word moderation. That word moderation in this sense carries the idea of yieldedness. Yieldedness. It carries the idea that I'm yielding to someone else. So what if they are wrong? 
let them be wrong. In fact, the book of 2 Corinthians speaks about this. Take the wrong. Oh, we hate that. What is, the book of 2 Corinthians is dealing with the idea of two people who are in an argument. And one of the things about pride is that you don't back down. I'm right. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And you start getting there. The idea is to take the wrong. I'm sorry. What can I do to make this right? That usually ends an argument pretty quick. I'm sorry that you feel this way. I can understand that. What can I do to make this right? That's yieldedness. Take the wrong. Who cares if you feel like you're right and they're wrong? It's not going to help fix the broken fellowship. It's not going to restore the spirit in the church. You're just destroying things worse. Take the wrong. Yield. Give them the right away. This is all against human nature. So much against human nature. Why can you do that? Because it's God's job to teach them, not mine. I can trust God to do his work. I can keep my, I don't have to convince them. I'm going to let God deal with them. And God will teach them in his time. It is amazing to see what God will do when we're out of the way. The Bible talks about in the book of James that God resisteth the proud. The more that we try to have our way, the more he holds us. But then he giveth grace to the humble. That means he comes behind us and walks with us. When we finally say, God, it's not about me. And you know, we get prideful over some of the silliest things. Sometimes we get prideful because we are right. God's right. I'm on God's side. You better. God could take care of his own side. He doesn't need us. We get fights over some of the silliest things. I heard once some people who were fighting once over the idea of predestination. That God, some guy at every church picnic, he would hold up a, a chicken leg and said, God is predestined before the foundation of the world that I would eat this chicken leg. And he would make that announcement. Finally, one guy got tired of it. And when the guy held up the chicken leg, he says, God is predestined before the foundation of the world that I can eat this chicken leg. Some other church person tackled him and knocked him out of the hand and said, not today, buster. That's silliness. Silliness. People feeling like they have to defend all kinds of things. By the way, it's us. As a pastor and as a mediator, it is amazing how many times people will fight because they believe the same thing, but because one person's saying it a little bit different, they're convinced the other person's saying it wrong or doing it wrong. When they believe the same thing, you're just saying it this way and you say this way, but it's the same thing. No, it has to be done the way I say so. Why? Worse is that just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. If we could learn that lesson, we would be a lot better off. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. Now, why am I saying this? Because we keep our eyes off the Lord. And the Bible says that we need to let our moderation be known. Yieldedness. Part of the things about Christians, we're not talking about being pansies and being wimps and letting people walk over us. But there are certain fights. It's not our business. We can let God do it. So what? We can let God teach them. Some people haven't been taught yet. Some people haven't been known. Sometimes you don't understand things until you have enough experience. Ask that to teenagers, right? It's amazing to have some teenager who thinks they know everything. And they want to tell you where you're wrong. And you're like, bud, you have no clue what you're about ready to face. It's like some kid who comes up to me and says... Preacher, I'm tired of my parents telling me what to do. I can't stand it no more, so I'm going to join the military. 
cool, you are missing some information there, buddy. But they, they, they feel they don't have all the information, but they know the answer. I'm tired of what people... Okay, cool, cool. You know, people get that away. And they're responding to what little information they have, and they don't have all the facts. People do that. We get so prideful. The idea is let your moderation be known to all men. Our yieldedness. We should be a type of people that they know they're not going to get in a fist fight with us. Okay, cool. You're allowed to believe however you want. That's fine. Once you're going to defend it, if you're not teachable, why should I? That's the idea. We work with people who are teachable. Otherwise, the Bible gives the illustration, casting your pearls before the swine. You know, you have your best jewelry, and you put it inside of a pig, what's going to happen? As soon as you let it outside of, in the mud, it's going to go wallow in the mud. What good is that jewelry going to do in the mud? You could try to teach all you want, but if they're not teachable, it does no good. So, yeah, okay, fine. I don't have to convince you. Great, wonderful. You're wrong. Cool. It's hard to fight when only one person's doing the fighting. And so this is what it's speaking about. Yield. It doesn't matter. Let them be wrong. Let them take the wrong. Let God teach them. We're going to keep our eyes on God. And I'm not going to let them disturb our spirit. Now again, he's speaking about two ladies here. And he's bringing to the place. What do we do? What does it mean to keep your eyes on the Lord? First of all, rejoice. Rejoice. Look at him. Sing his praises. Tell him how good he is. Keep your eyes on him. Stop looking at the people around you. Keep your eyes on him. What's the second thing? Verse number six. We see the idea of prayer. Not only rejoice, but prayer. Notice with me in verse six. Be careful. That word careful carries the idea to be anxious or worried. Be careful, anxious, worried for nothing. Pause there. How many nights of sleep have we lost because we're anxious, worried, careful? The Bible says we're not supposed to be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be worried about anything. Why? Because we can trust God. When we get anxious, when we get worried, when we get fretful, it's because we're currently not present tense trusting God. We're looking at ourselves and wondering, how am I going to get this accomplished? What is going to happen? What do I have to do? And we stay up all night pulling out our hair. And by the way, we're not enjoying the life that God gave to us. I'm speaking from experience. How many days did we waste because, and how many days did we not enjoy because we thought we had to solve it ourselves? Be careful for nothing, but in everything. You know, with these two ladies, Eutychus could have said, God, I understand Sithicus is really upset with me and I don't know how to make it better, but I'm going to rejoice in you. You're still a good God. Lord, I'm going to trust you to work on her. Help me to be the best blessing. Do you think this matter would have already been resolved before it hit Paul? Absolutely. But can you imagine these two girls gossiping with their friends, talking to their husbands, not getting sleep at night? Can't stand Eutychus. Why would she do this to me? She keeps wearing the same dress as me. Why doesn't she change? Or some other nonsense. And she can't get any sleep because of that stupid thing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, notice this, with thanksgiving. When's the last time you thanked God for answering your prayer before he answered it? That's the idea of faith. Lord, you're still good and you're still right. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Eutychus is in the church, Lord. Thank you for bringing him here. 
That would change a lot if we would be thankful for the people that we're currently against. Try that with your president. May help you. Oh, there we go. Let everything with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Be careful for nothing. This is a commandment, by the way. It's not a suggestion. This is a commandment. Everything. Lord, help. Lord, you take care of this. You work in this person. You change this person's life. It's not my job. Man, how loaded down and awful do we get when we feel it's our job to correct all the ills of the world? Correct every person we come across. We have to fix every situation. I don't have to. Man, what a, can you imagine trying to be a pastor whose job to work with everyone? If you put on the weight upon that person, everybody's spiritual life and everybody's spiritual decisions, and man, that'd be unbearable. It's already a big enough weight as it is. It's not my job to fix everyone. No wonder pastors almost kill themselves. And take someone who's not a pastor, who's not even their job to go fix them. Well, I'm going to go give them a piece of my mind. Do they even know you exist? <laughs> Why? But we feel that. And again, I'm speaking from the human experience. It's pride. Only by pride cometh forth contention. And that pride makes things worse. I'm right and the whole world needs to know how right I am. But can we trust God? God, you take care of this. Lord, we may not have the president we want, but I can trust that you know what you're doing. Wouldn't that give a lot of people today a lot better sleep? Yeah. Lord, we've got a governor election, and Lord, you know the governor we have. Can we trust God? God, I trust that you know what you're doing. God doesn't make mistakes. We could trust him. And a lot more could get accomplished if we just get out of the way and let God work. Verse 7. Now, verse 6, be careful for nothing. Verse number 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, that means guard, protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How? By prayer. By prayer. If we truly can trust God with those situations in prayer, we have a peace that passes all understanding. What a miracle it would be if Eutychus said, listen, Lord, She's never going to listen to me. I'm going to stop trying. I want you to take care of her. I want you to bless her. I want you to do something in her life. It's not my job anyways. Forgive me for trying to, to work on her. It's not even my job. I'm not her pastor. I'm not her authority. She's just some lady in the church. Lord, you tell me what I need to do and what I need to fix. You, don't underst you understand there's a peace that comes from that. When you finally surrender... Put down your pride. There's a peace. So the next time Synthicus comes up, Eutychus! Yes, may I help you? How come you're not fighting with me? Don't have to. You know, one person can have contention and the other person not have any contention. Because he's lower the pride. Set it aside. Not a big deal. I'm trusting God with this. There's a peace that comes with that. I could truly trust God. When do we not have peace? When we're not trusting God. Now, I understand sometimes we get in the idea, Lord, take away this situation. Why am I still angry? Because you really haven't got a hold of God and Lord, your pride and set it aside. The peace comes when we finally surrender it. Really surrendered it. Not just said some words that we said, God, just take this. 
it's yours. You take care of it. I don't want to. And when you set it at the altar, don't pick it back up. Amen. Leave it there. Set it aside. And we can have peace. Now, I said there was three things. How is it that we can look up to God? What does it mean to look up to God? Rejoice, prayer, and then fix your thinking. Rejoice, prayer, and fix your thinking. I encourage you to go back to the book of Philippians and find how many times the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the word mind. Because the battleground is in the mind. Over and over, even in this passage, you'll find the word mind over and over. Verse number two, it talks about Eutychus and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind. It goes on in verse seven, to keep your hearts and mind. In verse number eight, it speaks about our thinking, which deals with the mind. The battleground is in the mind. When we don't have peace, it's because our minds are too busy thinking about junk. The battleground is in the mind. So therefore we must fix our thinking. Verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now it's telling us that we're supposed to think on these things. You know how much of grief we get rid of if we just concentrate on the things that are true? Not gossip. Gossip, we can't verify things are true. Think of whatsoever things are true. Now, let me give you an illustration on this. I'm a time-conscious person. I try not to be late. In fact, I've always been taught that if I'm not if 15 minutes early, I'm late. I'm just one of those people. And I understand that not everyone has that same thing with me. But because I'm time-conscious, it applies that I expect people to be early. All right, so let's say that someone has an appointment with me at 6 o'clock. All right, so I'm expecting them to be there at 545. So, at 5.45, they're not here? Eh, okay, I'll give them some time. All right, 5.50. All right, 5.55. Come on, don't they know they should be early? 6 o'clock. Where are the scumbags at? 6.05. Come on, I knew they didn't take this seriously. 6.15. Oh, come on, they're just wasting my time now. I knew they... You know, maybe I don't... The thing about that is that I do not know what's going on. Let me give you another thing. You don't know motives of people. We love to fill in the gaps. There's empty things. We love to fill in the gaps. So now I'm saying, they're not taking it seriously. I'm now attributing motives to them. Come on. They're Come on. They just want to. And I could start filling in stuff. But maybe they just had a flat tire. Maybe they're on the corner winning someone to the Lord. Amen. But all I know for a fact is they're not here. I don't know why. And I don't know their motives. And so if I limit myself to thinking in this, I have to think of whatsoever is true. The only thing I know is that they are not here yet. If I don't think about and choose not to think about all the other stuff, my thinking is going to be a lot better if I don't know. We do not know motives of people. By the way, only the Holy Spirit does. I can't attribute motives to other people. We have to be careful for that. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Oh, how much junk would get out of our life if we only covered the honest things. There's a lot of filthy, dishonest things out there. A lot of deception. But how much time, especially in the last year and a half, have we been putting most of our thoughts on deceptions of people? 
instead of things that are honest. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. You know, there's a lot of unfair things in this world. And sometimes we get stuck just thinking about the unfair things. And we occupy too much space in our mind. Whatsoever things are pure. There's a lot of corrupted, defiled things out there. What if we spent our brain power thinking about the things that are pure? Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. You know, there's a lot of beautiful things out there that we miss because we're concentrating all the garbage. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things of good report. There goes gossip. Man, what would happen if we just chose just to spread good news rather than all the bad news? Someone said nothing travels faster than bad news. We can't wait to go tell someone the juicy bit of gossip that we have. What if we said, hey, you know what? Have you heard about so-and-so? They've been reading their Bible. Person looked at us like, what? Well, what if we only reported good things? What if our minds only thought about the good things about people rather than the bad things? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. Are there something that you could say, praise the Lord? He's been reading his Bible. Praise the Lord, he's a snot-nosed kid. Well, it's kind of hard to point out those things that you're thinking of. Can you praise God for the piece of information you're thinking about? I could praise God that that lady still keeps wearing the same dress as me and she just doesn't know. It doesn't match. Can you praise God for those things? Notice this, verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard. Notice the constant use of the word and. The word and here is a polysolidon. This means that it's a literary device that is used to slow down the reader on a list to put emphasis on each place of it. Notice, and the things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Those things here, each of those things, notice the next word, do. I could preach this message all I want, but until you do it, does you no good. It won't fix anybody unless they do it. Do it. How come this isn't working? Well, are you singing? How come this isn't working? Well, have you turned it over to God? How come this isn't working? What are you thinking about right now? It's simple. We just won't do it. But notice this, the things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. We as born again believers should have a life characterized by peace. The rest of the world has no peace and it's very clear. We should live differently because God has offered us differently. We don't have to be the people that's panicking and freaking out. We don't have to be running down like the sky is falling and the building is burning down. Everything's all right in my father's house. Everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house. In my father's house. Everything's all right in my father's house. There'll be joy, joy, joy. You understand? It's all a battleground of the mind. And it's not dependent on the other scumbag for getting right. It's all about you trusting God. Can you trust him? God offers to us the peace of God from the God of peace. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.